Welcome to Junior Doctors Corner, the podcast that helps medical students and junior doctors like yourself not only survive but thrive in your careers. We cover topics including doctor well-being, career, and life outside of medicine. My name is Dana and I am your host for this podcast. Are you ready for a healthy dose of support, motivation, and inspiration? Then let's start this episode stat. Hello guys and welcome back to another episode. This is the second episode in May. Can you believe it you guys? We are almost halfway through the year. Time really really flies when you're having fun. So I've had the pleasure and the privilege to have interviewed cardiologist Dr. Jeffrey Tugut, also founder of hashtag crazy socks for docs. He is such a lovely man and has a wonderful, wonderful sense of humor. Unfortunately, at the time of this recording, we still do not have the links to the plenary session for Crazy Socks for Docs this year. So keep an eye out for notifications and posts from Junior Doctors Corner because I will be updating you as soon as I have the links to the plenary so that you can join. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. Hi, Dr. Jeff. Too good. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Junior Doctors Corner. Now, you're the founder of Crazy Socks for Docs Day. Um, To start off with, can you please tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Right now, I'm a clinical cardiologist and work in cardiology uh, and practice in private and public medicine in that specialty. I graduated from Monash University a little time ago. I uh, won't say how long. Did my physician training, became a cardiologist and worked in that area for quite a while. My specialty is uh, pacemakers and defibrillators. That's my area. That's my doctor stuff. My outside doctor stuff is I've got two children. who are 16 and 18 and the usual Pleasant and sometimes challenging teenagers, but they're good. <laughs> and do quite a lot of swimming, both pool and open water. And actually now become an ambassador for Master Swimming Victoria as well. Oh, wow. And partly because of my swimming, but partly because they want to raise the profile of mental health in their swimmers. Uh-huh. I was until a, two years ago a long-suffering Richmond supporter, but now <laughs> having us won the premiership two years ago, I'm not quite as suffering. Yep. And that's probably, that's the nuts and bolts. Okay. Um, Thank you for sharing that. Now, can you please tell us um, about Crazy Socks for Docs today for those of the listeners who happen to have not come across it? How did it come about and what is it about? Sure. Well, it kind of came about a little bit by chance and a little bit not by chance. a few years ago when I was kind of I'd actually getting pretty much better from my mental health issues. I um, wore a pair of old socks to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was because of the only two I had. It was partly because my newly acquired dog, Sammy, had gone through my laundry basket oh, no. and <laughs> ripped many of them apart. Um, and, I, you know, I bought a dog kind of as a therapy dog and a companion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that upset with him. It's just 
young puppy, but didn't have a matching pair of socks. So I wear them to work. And at that time, it wasn't kind of trendy to wear matching socks. So <laughs> the talks were, and they were bright, and the talks were that I was, you know, behind my back, not in front of me, that I was now going off again because I was wearing, you know, I couldn't even match my socks and I couldn't, you know, being a doctor, I couldn't wear the conservative, you know, blue socks behind a blue pair of pants. Mine were quite a bright. Uh, and I found that kind of stigmatising. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to come up with a, some sort of way to break that stigma. Mm. And two and a half years ago, I just sent it out on a tweet with a couple of my mates and, you know, friends, Mikesh Hackerwell and others. Mm. And it went pretty viral unexpectedly. Mm. And so I was a bit more, last year I went a bit more, you know, with a bit more planning mm-hmm. and it went even more viral and we had 50 million views around the world of the day. And so the day is about creating awareness in doctors about mental health, saying it's okay not to be okay. It's going to be advocacy and action in this space and breaking the stigma. That's the, that's the day. And it's also fun because the other thing I saw was so many photos of so many happy doctors having a happy, really great day. So, <laughs> yes. And um, I've noticed that even when it's not crazy f- socks for Docs Day, um, a lot of doctors now wear really fun socks. You've started a fashion trend essentially amongst that. health professionals. I think. I should have bought a shares in some sock company. But, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be a doctor now. I could be rich. But, um, Yes, it has. And, look, they do, you know, the day is a day and that's the one day we do it, but it's kind of a movement. So sometimes people will wear the, fun, you know, the crazy funky socks and tag it. Yes. You know, yes. The, the name was deli- was kind of chosen because it's crazy socks and it was mm. kind of a deliberate pushback against the word. Mm. It does get coverage in other countries but they're not happy with the word crazy so they use funky socks or socks for docs or those sort of things so it still gets coverage but in Canada we'll likely do it as funky socks but that's okay Mm -hmm. that's you know the essence is still there the essence is still there and so yeah yeah what I love about it is that um we have had are you okay day around for a long time now but with what crazy socks for docs does is that because it's a piece of clothing that we wear and it's uh it can be quite prominent and obvious um if you walk through say a ward and you see a few doctors wearing those socks you know that well you are with people who support doctors' mental health regardless of what their background is, you know, it's almost like worn like a badge, like um, saying, yes, I am here for everyone who has, uh, if they have any mental health um, illnesses or anything, um, you know, this is my badge, my crazy socks. Yeah, that's what it's it's about. And, in fact, I've got messages after each day about people have gone and sought help. So it's saved lives. There's absolutely no doubt, you know, private messages. Yeah. And as you're probably aware, it's stimulated by um, 
Steve Robson an article, MJA Insight, that stimulated another article that went viral around the world as well, him chancingly running into me, then him writing the article and things. So, mm. you know, the power of that is more than I can understand. Yeah. So you've essentially just started a conversation that was previously completely taboo, but now something a lot more widely and hopefully a lot more comfortably talked about. Yeah. Well, that's the idea. The idea is to start the conversation and it was a taboo conversation. And that's why we're starting that because we're starting it to stop the taboo conversation because it's hidden and the doctor's wellbeing is not helped by it being hidden. Or med students, you know, med students and doctors, you know, like yes. when I say doctors, I mean the whole mm. shebang of people, yeah. Um, so you recently wrote an article in MJA about embracing our vulnerability in medicine. Um, yes. And I'll leave a link to the article in the show notes for those of the listeners who haven't had a chance to read it. Um, and in it, you talked about your personal experience with mental illness, um, particularly at the beginning and how the stigma affected you. Firstly, I want to say thank you for writing that article. It was very courageous of you to be so open about something so personal. Thank you. I like to ask why you've chosen to be so open about it, given your past experience with being taken advantage of, which you alluded to in the article. Why not remain anonymous there's a few advantages. One, I'm more pointy into my career and more senior, so I can be a bit more open. I, you know, I've kind of in some ways earned some stripes in medicine. You know, I've been a head of a department, I've been a senior doctor, so I can speak out with some degree of clarity that it's not going to be um, dismissed. I was happy not to be anonymous. I think if you're anonymous, the power of the story is not as strong and people don't know who it is they can't put a face to the story I could have been not as of anonymous but I think it needed a, a face I could have said more I could have but I don't mention names but everything that I said in that happened and it's very stigmatizing and it's very much the reason why doctors don't get help and I think you know I've spoken to my psychiatrist recently about it I've spoke you know just I mean, a routine review, I've spoken to people from overseas and stigma is such a major role in med students and doctors not seeking help. Mm. It really is. And I wanted to break that stigma down. And I, what I'm writing is often, what I've written is often what people would have written five to ten years ago in other professions about what they were feeling. Yeah, we're still stigmatising doctors. This is why I wrote it. You know, I don't mind. It's kind of I'm not, my story is pretty out there. I mean, I don't obviously. There's lots and bits and pieces that I would not say, which are private to me yeah. and private to my family, of course, and they don't come out. But I share what I think I can. I'm happy to share and what's reasonable. Yeah, because I see that um, you're, you and I are both very active on Twitter and sort of talking a lot about um, mental health and well-being and the movement to sort of get doctors comfortable with, um, you know, expressing whatever their grievances are that they've had with their um, colleagues or departments. And I've noticed that there are other Twitter accounts um, with doctors who are you know, very much anonymous, they would have maybe um, their username or their Twitter handle implies that they are a doctor with mental health illness, but they don't reveal their name or their photo. And I feel like it is still very much 
um, stigmatized because these people still feel they cannot identify themselves to the general. Yeah. I mean, that's what I see too. And look, that's, that's fair enough. That's where they're sitting and that's their kind of, um, that's the head space they're in or the workspace they're in. And that's fair enough. I mean, they're still real accounts from real people, but they don't feel safe in sharing their information and I can well understand it, which sort of reflects a lot on our own profession. Yeah. I think um, part of, so a big part of the stigma comes from within our profession, but there is also another part of it that um, I personally haven't had too much experience in or explored, but um, not too long ago I came across a tweet by I believe someone who's not in the health prof- uh, in the health professional industry, and this um, gentleman I believe is from America. He said um, something along the lines of, "I do not want to know if my doctor." is crazy or has a mental health illness. I do not want to know that and sort of went on ranting about it. And I was just so shocked that people could be so, I don't know, not understanding. I wouldn't know how to approach that if a patient came up to me and said that to me. Yeah. I look. My vast experience with patients is that they've been supportive. I mean, I think if you're unwell and treating them, they don't want you to do that, and that's more than reasonable. Yeah. Um, but have I lost many patients? I think I've lost a handful because of my mental health issues over the time. Mm-hmm. In the day of Google, many people come in who haven't seen me, you know, and have seen what I've done on the internet. They still come and see me, ask me what I'm doing, you know, dropping articles about what I've done um, from newspapers and clippings that they save until they see me next. So I, I think look, that might be isolated. I think what, I mean, what a patient wants is a well doctor. Yeah. Treating it. So if you've got a past history of mental health issue or you're just dealing with one but you're well, I don't think that matters to them, mm. to be perfectly honest. Um, he may be more an outlier, an isolated person, which is, you know, just the way it is, you know, that what I mean. So um, I think patients embrace doctors being vulnerable. I think I said in that article and they're because we sort of put ourselves on a pedestal and never seem sick, if we've been sick before and navigated the health system, I think they feel more empowered and closer to you because they know you've had to go through the same stuff. Yeah. And they will understand that you understand what they're going through and have some empathy for them. So, Mm. I mean, he's entitled to his opinion and that's just his opinion and that's okay. I don't think I, I, my own particular take on that is I don't think it's universal. I think all a patient wants is that you're well to treat them and well enough to treat them, which is absolutely reasonable. Yes. And part of getting doctors all well enough to treat patients is to remove that stigma so that they can uh, reach out and seek treatment. Yeah. And be a human being as well. Correct. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like... 
we're a human being and when one of that you know there's all this uh, there's a lot of stuff about um patient-centered care mm-hmm. at the moment which is sort of the buzzword but if your doctor has had experience in the health system and understands well that gives them a perfect ability to deliver patient-centered care because they've walked the same path that some of the patients have mm. you know and you know doctors have had other mental you know you know there are doctors that have recovered from cancer and there's doctors that have recovered from strokes and there's doctors recovered from numerous other things that are doing well well you know they can still they're working well as doctors I mean does that person not want to know about that as well because mm-hmm. they've somehow been human and been ill and then recovered and back to work mm-hmm. uh, now you've um taken the uh crazy sauce for dot stay or about to take it to the next step um yes because you you have a very exciting plenary organized for crazy sauce for dot stay this, this year yes. uh, can you please tell us a bit about who will be speaking and what topics will be covered well it's we're going to launch the week on May 31. The Socks Day will, will be the first Friday of June, which will be the week after. Mm-hmm. The plenary is then because uh, on May 31, just because of logistics of speakers. Yep. So the speakers, uh, and this is, I'll just do it in this order, Professor Michael Myers. Professor Michael Myers uh, has become... He became a Twitter friend, then an email friend, and now we're friends. Mm-hmm. He's coming out to Australia. He's a world, He's written a book called Why Doctors Die by Suicide. He spent 25 years dedicating his life to doctors predominantly, uh, treating predominantly doctors and, and their mental health and issues. So he has years of experience. He would be probably in the top three, four, five doctors in the world. I know you rank them, but easily in that specter in this space. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he will be on a plenary panel. We'll also have, um, I could, I'll call her Dr. Miko because she doesn't mind me doing that. So Miko, who kind of exploded the workplace conditions yes. in New South Wales last year. Yes. The um, she's going to be on the panel as well. Mm-hmm. So giving the junior doctor surgical trainee type experience mm-hmm. and speaking about you know what she's doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, I what was so kind of she actually resigned on June one last year. Mm-hmm. June one last year was our crazy socks day in Frankston. And at the time she was handing in a resignation letter, we are actually doing a plenary session on doctors' mental health and well-being in Melbourne. So it was kind of this amazing kind of thing. Um, I think she'd become a bit too, un, you know, she got sick of it and she came too unwell. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have also Dr Kate Harding zoomed in from United Kingdom. Um, she is a doctor herself. I, I just forget what area it is. I think it's in rehabilitation or something like that. She's a physician anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, who sadly lost her husband 12 months ago to suicide. He, they were sort of briefly in Australia, then in New Zealand, and then because of, you know, the tragedy of 
they've gone back to the United Kingdom where they've got some more supports. Mm. So she's going to talk from the point of view of a doctor, you know, a doctor's spouse that's lost their spouse to suicide and, and how, you know, what could happen. Mm. I'll also be on the panel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking, we're trying to sort out the moderator. So it will be Friday afternoon on May 31 and we'll Zoom it out and stream it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all got, already got interest from many countries around the world to watch the plenary session. So it'll probably run for about 90 minutes and it'll run along the lines of a non-PowerPoint. Each of the speakers is only allowed one PowerPoint slide and they're very powerful photos rather than data. And it will mainly be a discussion. Already in the audience we have, um, I'm not sure, in the audience... Uh, Tony Walker from Ambulance Victoria spoke last year. He'll be in the audience. I think he's bringing his one or two of his therapy dogs. I think they're more, they'll be more popular than him. Um, he's <laughs> a friend of mine. Uh, and we've got a couple of other guests that I'm just kind of lining up to be in the audience um, that are, will help speak but are outside medicine and give perspectives from first responders you know, police force, those sort of things. We're also hoping to have the the State Minister of Health in attendance to hear this story. Oh, wow. And that will then launch a week of kind of action. Yeah. Culminating on the Friday after on June 7th. So after that, we're suggesting people hold grand rounds, morning teas, afternoon teas, runs. The College of Sports Medicine is running a fun run on the Sunday. Yeah. Independent, no, like we're independent but overlapped, in other words. Okay. So it's a doctor dash yeah. for doctor mental health, but we yeah. kind of partner because yeah. we're doing this thing and we're making it in the kind of crazy socks week. Yeah, they can kinda... wear crazy socks while running. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. So Yay! we're kind of partnering. So um, we're partnering the College of Sports Medicine in the run because running and fitness is great for mental health. Yes. Um, and so it's not a crazy socks run, but it's, a yeah. you know, so the Friday will launch the discussion. Yes. The discussion we've decided has been sort of gone around a lot of these topics and it's been a bit too soft. Right. So the, the, the topic is doctors back from the brink. Okay. Uh, prevention and prevention of doctor suicide. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the topic that's hidden, mm-hmm. not spoken about. Yes. And we want to look at the two aspects, preventing it, mm. and then prevention is the kind of aftermath because very often the hospitals and the people around the people that have been lost mm. are extremely poorly looked after. That's what we're going to do. So it, it will be a tough topic, but I think, you know, uh, Michael's a world expert in this space. I think we just go to the the often hidden word, the hidden the sort of thing that's shoved under the carpet often because I think that will help us save lives. Yes. Well, I think it's going to be a fantastic plenary. I look forward to it. How can our listeners attend this plenary? Um, That's a work in progress. I'm meeting the AMA and some people just after 
this meeting, in fact. Okay. We will stream it out and put it on multiple things. So it will be on Facebook. Mm -hmm. We'll probably try and stream it somehow like on Zoom or something that way. Mm -hmm. And we'll also have a link via the Twitter streaming. So we'll have multiple ways that we will live stream it out. We will record it and then we'll post it on a YouTube account. So if you don't watch it at the time, you better watch it at, at, you know, at your leisure. Yeah, to make it as accessible to as many people as possible. Well, I'm trying to make it as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, I don't have to, I, you know, I run this project for my my office I'm sitting in now at home um, with my own, which is strange and I'm not putting this out as anything others, but it's self-funded by me. I put mm. a my earnings in to do it and I run it all myself. Yeah. That's kind of sad in doctor's mental health when it's very hard to get funding to run yeah. something like this. But anyway, I'm not saying that out of um, being bereaved. I'm just yeah. saying that out of saying like you can understand like if, if we help doctors' health and indeed, you know, uh, medic, other medical staff, you know, nurses, you know, physios, all that sort of stuff, the safety will improve immensely in the hospitals. Mm. But, you know, they too often invest in what I see as superficial programs for mental health, which you probably have seen as well, and that's why I want this conversation. I want the hard conversation, and hopefully, like I just got an email from the health minister this morning. Hopefully, they one they are able to attend and actually hear the story firsthand, yeah. and that may trigger some action. So, yeah. Um, so uh, you're working, um, you know, in public and private and also organising yeah. all of this stuff. Um, yeah. You're a very busy man. Um, and yeah. I have one last question for you. This is a question yes. that I ask all of my interviewees. Um, yeah. Can you name one or two things that keep you sane in your crazy busy life? Um, well, I do a few things. I've made my life, the first two times I had crises, I came back to a very busy life. I come back to what I consider just a normal busy life. So I don't, I make sure I don't work ridiculous hours and I have time off. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times as a, you know, I'm interventional cardiologist at times you know when you're on call and that just goes out the door but you just have to accept it and then after that I make sure I schedule you know a bit more rest time so I've cut my hours down okay Mm -hmm. um but you know as most doctors would say we're probably almost working more as much as the average working person but I've you know i do not work the frantic hours deliberately. Mm. That's one thing I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the other things, uh, I spend time, try and spend as much time with my children, which is which is good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're teenagers, sometimes <laughs> I don't want to spend time with them, but <laughs> they're gorgeous girls and it is normal, but every now and then it's, you know, testing but they're great so I try and do as many things as I can with them because that normalizes my life and keeps me connected I swim swimming's great for my mental health and I set challenges around swimming and mental health with that Uh, and I kind of an average cook which I sometimes you know do 
the sameness stuff is kind of simple. I try and get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. I try to eat well. Mm-hmm. I like swimming and exercise, so that's not hard for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I decided after many years when I was a teenager I wanted to learn the drums. I'm now learning the drums. Um, if it's very stressful, I pick a very loud and very meaty song to smash the toms of the drum set uh, to unstress. Um, but it's all sort of simple stuff. And what I've done is cut down, you know, I work more reasonable hours mm-hmm. and make sure I realise I'm more than a doctor, yeah. you know, the kind of thing I kind of think about. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't, you know, you're a doc- everyone as a doctor can't always do that and we have busy weeks and busy days and on-call and all that sort of stuff. That's just the way it is. But if you try and do that most times, I think that's what's kept me sane. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, regularly see my doctor or psychologist every now and then just for top-ups if I need it, you know. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that, Jeff. I will okay. be adding in um, once you have all the links for how to attend the plenary and all that, I'll be adding it to the show notes for this um, podcast yeah. episode. So thank you so much for taking the time to be interviewed That's on okay. Doctor's Corner. If you really like that episode, please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes to help a sister out. And don't forget to subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode.